Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Great ending to The Way of Kings. We have finished the book. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking all about it. Mm-hmm. All about it today. Um, let's first. We're not gonna do a warm up, but let's first bring up some comments that we got. I want to start with one from Indie Twenty Twenty Five, and this is from our our subreddit, our Don't Call It a Book Club. This is something that I actually didn't know: is that there is a alternate like version of this book called it looks like way of kings prime which brandon sanderson released that is it seems like it's basically the story if kaladin had taken up the shard blade and played that he won which we talked about last episode Mm -hmm. so that's very interesting Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if i'm gonna went like if i'm gonna read that because it's a very i'm assuming it's long (laughs) But I'm, I'm kind of interested. So, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for letting us know on that. Yeah. 2025. That's very big. Uh, I also, after seeing this ending, I'm going to say uh, we were wrong last episode. Uh, I'm glad Kaladin didn't take the shard plate and shard blade because this was way cooler. So, oh, so yeah. Good work, Kaladin. <laughs> and Brandon. Yeah. Great yeah. work. Another comment that I want to bring up. Is from Torden EQ. Uh, Torden had some great puns in his comment. If you want to check those out, definitely give those a look. But also, Torden brought up an outstanding point about the literature in this world. And we learned in the last section, and I don't know why Luke and I didn't talk about this, but we should have. There are footnotes in all of the books that are, like, just for the women to read. (laughs) So, like, they're reading this book that's from the perspective, it's like the history from the perspective of King Gavilar. And Yasna is, like, recording this history, but in the footnotes she's putting, like, yeah, he actually didn't say it like this, and yeah, it didn't (laughs) actually happen this way. Here's how it really happened. And first off, this is very funny because it means there's this whole level of truth that like men don't have access to, but all the women are like very knowledgeable about. Right. So there's this whole nother level to everything. But it brings up an important question, Luke. So it's it's discovered that the Parshmen, or the Parshendi, I should say, who are out fighting seem to be fighting like potentially husband and wife pairs like it seems like there might be women parshendi mm-hmm. out there fighting but there are no women among the like humans that have to go suffer and fight and die and sure it seems like the men are the ones who are kind of running the shit but is this an elaborate matriarchal conspiracy? Oh, okay. I, I wanna. I I don't think that it's like fully run mm, by women. Okay. But I think to a certain degree, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And one thing, one thing that I think is interesting about this, mm-hmm. especially about this point of the the writing that the women add, is that it seems like men don't know about it. Yeah, yes, I agree. Which is inc- which is incredible that every single, well, obviously not every single one, right? Like the but, Ardens probably know, but they're cool, right? But like this secret, I guess we'll call it a secret has been kept from every man. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Yeah, that actually is pretty impressive when you think about it. Especially, yeah. Because it just takes one woman being like, hey, you guys know that we're like, you know, talking about that time you <laughs> farted really loudly and everybody <laughs> laughed about it. And right. I, I wonder if the men actually don't know. I'm guessing that they don't, because if I'm having something read to me and I know, I'm going to be like, hey, can you, what did the footnotes say? <laughs> because that's, I feel hey, like I want to know what the footnotes say. I really want to know the real thing that is written there. So if you could also tell me the footnotes. <laughs> Dalinar every night is like listening to the Way of Kings. Meanwhile, the woman who's reading it is like, Ooh, there is a footnote in here that says you really shouldn't trust Sadius, Sadeus, uh, but, you know, he's really into the story, so I don't want to take him out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm taking it to mean that no one knows. I think this is... Yeah, okay. I think that is a possibility. Another possibility is that the men all know, but they have no way of getting at the intel. Like, sure... They could ask them to like, hey, can you also read the like real, read the real part to me? <laughs> they have no way of knowing that it is the real part, right? Because mm. they can't read it anyway. So sure, they can ask you to, hey, please, please, right. will you read the real part to me? I'm, I swear, right, I won't be scared. I won't be scared. The, the, the scribe could just be like, oh, it's just what they had for dinner that day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's nothing important. Don't worry about it. That's a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, this is a powerful tool, I think, for the women of this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the words of Beyonce, I think, who run the world are are girls. Mm -hmm. Perhaps. Could be. Sure. Very well could be. I... This is arguably similar. And it's something that we've talked about in the past about the like lack of curiosity. Mm -hmm. It's genuinely wild how little study they have done of the Parshendi. Like they have never someone, I forget who brings up. They have never like brought a Parshendi corpse back. Dalinar. And studied it. Yeah, Dalinar is like, what are we doing out here, guys? <laughs> That's crazy. It is insane. It is absolutely insane, especially considering they're so terrified of the Parshmen going out there. Like, they're, mm-hmm. well, okay, I, actually, they're not so terrified of the Parshmen going out there. But in my mind, I would be terrified of the Parshmen going out there because there's a lot of surface level similarities, and but they don't have a reason. They don't have a reason why they're different. It, right, it's and they just have never that, even like 
tried to identify a reason. Right, exactly. There's no deeper understanding for why they're different. It's literally just, well, the Parshmen don't try and murder us, so they must be fine. (laughs) We're not going to look into this at all? (laughs) You could find advantages. You've been fighting a war for years. You don't even know if the, the, like, anything about the the war pairs. I, I feel like, like, you don't know that you're going to find anything useful, but something to be curious about. Well, and especially now, after Kaladin does, like, a little bit of research, like, a little bit of, of, like, in the field anecdotal research and has this huge advantage now like mm-hmm. game changing advantage for all of the bridgemen kaladin's like oh we just have to make them really angry because i've got their bones and boom we can like totally destroy their battle strategy mm-hmm. that's a, that is incredible and it took him like no time of research to figure that out right very easy very easy and huge I, payoff I, th- even i feel like people have anecdotally been like oh yeah it seems like they don't they don't like when you move their bodies but no one's been like how mad do they get <laughs> scale of one to ten <laughs> how much do they not like it is it like yeah i don't know it's just crazy to me yes. one thing i'm gonna do a small aside that i think is mm-hmm. is kind of interesting we see one part where Dalin, I think it's Dalinar, like notices that in these pairs, one one partner has a beard and one partner does not. Mm-hmm. And he wonders if it's a man and a woman. Yes. I just think it's so interesting the things that authors choose to change and things that authors choose to keep the same from our world. Like (laughs) giving men facial hair and women Parshendi not having facial hair is so arbitrary, but like it, it makes total sense when you just like read it. Yeah. And then you like think about it more and it's like, why, why is it like obvious that women Parshendi shouldn't have facial hair? Well, okay. Here's what I will say about this, about this whole thing. Dalinar here is kind of making an assumption and just like kind of running with that, right? Because at the beginning, you know, he's he's saying, or no, at the end of this kind of thought experiment, he's like, we really don't know anything about them. So I think mm-hmm. here we have Dalinar projecting from his like reality being like, okay, bearded ones, maybe they're women. And then there he's extrapolating like, hmm, they fight in pairs. Maybe they're married. It could not be that at all, right? Mm-hmm, it could true. be like father and very young son. You know what I mean? Like it could, like, right. or it could be something completely crazily different, right? Like this is a, this is, these are essentially aliens. So like, it could be whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I, so, so I think here it's, this is Dalinar projecting from his culture onto the Parshendi. But like he says, we don't know any of this. We have no idea. And, which we'll come back to later, because this is discovered near the end, apparently these are the Voidbringers. So, 
clearly we don't know anything about them. Right. Which, is it just a numbers game, like, during the Desolations? Oh, like there's a lot of Voidbringers? Like, the Desolations are terrible... I mean, okay, we don't have to speculate about this because I'm sure it's just in future books. Well, right, right. I was about to ask you, have you read future books from this, Luke? Yes. So mm. the, I don't Dang it, Luke, because I was about to speculate for forever on this. <laughs> Let's do it. No, I mean, we can't I'm not going to do it. I know the answer. All right, well, here's I what I... I you're, like, bringing up questions that Damn I know the answer it. to. All right, well, then I'll just give my, give my two cents on this, and we got to move on. Luke can't speculate okay. with me here. But what I think might be happening, you remember how, I can't remember if it was last episode or the episode before, I was talking about how I think the Parshendi are like Pokemon and we're slowly evolving. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happens with the Voidbringers because Dalinar in one of his visions sees a creature that looks just terrible. It looks like like a nightmare come to life. It's got like skeletal bones and like, it's like huge and clearly it was fighting the people um are you talking about the the one that looks like it's like a big creature made of rocks yes like an onyx yes like an onyx so this creature i feel like we've already seen how the parshman and the parshendi seem to be closely related and the Parshendi are able to grow these like chitinous plates that are extremely resilient to damage. So I feel like there are other evolutions of Parshendi. Okay. And, and we're only seeing one iteration right now. And, and so that's well, that's. Two. Yeah, you're right. Parchment. The Parchment and the Parshendi. So we're seeing two iterations. And potentially if the Chasm Fiends are Parshendi, three. Ooh. <laughs> Which is something I, I brought up, but but I think we'll, we'll pause there. Ooh. Actually, Luke, another little tidbit of this theory that the Chasm Fiends are Parshendi in their Blastoise evolution. What if the gems that they're retrieving are like eggs? Oh. Okay. Like so the so the Parshendi are going to secure these gemstones because they're they're eggs. And so they know if they don't get them, then the other people will just like I don't know, use them for making their cool armor or, or making a hot plate. <laughs> could be, could be. So, um and maybe they just like take take a long time to hatch and so we haven't seen well they could be hatching we don't know what's going on in the parshendi yeah, camp we true. don't know how they reproduce we haven't studied them at all luke <laughs> no interest to either yeah i don't think it's a it's, i don't think it's a benefit yeah it's kind of stupid it's kind of <laughs> following up on this at the at towards the end here mm-hmm. i don't i'm not going to talk about the the big battle yet but yeah. but one thing is that the parshendi shard bearer comes up and like says something to dalinar yeah he says it's you and it like i don't know what that is and like obviously no one else does but like it seems like some communication should have been made <laughs> right like dalinar should have been like oh 
you speak my language. W- w- let's let's have a little chat. Right. Please don't kill me. What do you mean? <laughs> no, instead he was like, mm, it's time for me to die. Oh, that's strange that he's saying words. Oh, well, time for me to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I- I'm going to speculate here again, and you probably aren't going to be able to comment on it because I imagine it's discussed in a future book. But Dan just like throwing out some speculation on this one. Okay. I, I feel like, so one of the themes that we've seen here is like two sides of one coin. Like there has to be darkness when there's light. I wonder if this Parshendi is the Dalinar of the Voidbringers. Ooh. Like this, they've met the like counter to each other. And this Parshendi has like seen visions of him. When you say when you say the counter of Dalinar, do you mean like in terms of the like honorable Parshendi? No, no, no. Or he's do you mean he's it's not like the uh, Waluigi situation. I think it's more like this is the Dalinar of the Parshendi. Yeah, but what do you what do you mean by that? Just like the same kind of guy. But he's he's red and black and has cool scales. You know? I don't know. You just keep saying the same kind of guy, but I don't know what you mean by he's that. Like, he's like honorable. He's getting these visions from okay. some kind of being. Uh, and okay. he's lead. He's a leader, Luke. Mm-hmm. He's got sharp. I mean, light. I think that it's obvious that he's a leader. Right. Same with Dalinar. So, <laughs> Luke, I said I was wildly speculating here. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've got okay. nothing to go on but three words. So, <laughs> right. There's not this. That's, this is uh, not standing on much. Okay. That's fair. And the funny thing is, I actually honestly don't remember nice. what this is about. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, cool. Um, okay. Speaking of something else that I speculated about last episode, I. I forget how much I appreciate Brandon Sanderson as a writer, but I also, it frustrates me sometimes because my swallowing spheres idea was so good. It was so good. And then the chapter after we ended, Kaladin was like, "Uh, actually, guys, we can't swallow the spheres because they have parchment going through our poop looking for them. Right, right. You're say, like basically you're saying that Brandon Sanderson dots the i's and crosses the t's. He dots his i's, crosses his t's, and ruins my theories. He just <laughs> like, and it's like immediately after I propose them. It's like if we'd have it read is... one more chapter, I would not have said that last episode and look like a complete <laughs> doofus. I yeah, I don't have like an other examples of these, but it, I feel like this happens a lot to you when we read Brandon Sanderson books. Yeah, there have been, there are a couple of other authors that it happens as well, but I think with Brandon, it's happened pretty consistently. Um, however, I will say this. I think there's still a way that it could work. I don't think we're being creative enough, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can time your poops. Sure, yeah. Like, you know... Let's see, I ate the sphere this morning with breakfast. Uh, I didn't eat lunch. So whatever's coming out at dinner is probably going to have a big rock in it. Right, right. Keep. I think you should keep trying to make this one work. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, there's got to be a way. You have barracks. There's <laughs> privacy in your barracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do a little pre-latrine poop. <laughs> Classic. In the barracks. Everybody everybody does it. Yeah, it's, it's happened. It's happened. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a way, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't give a, up. Kaladin was so quick to be like, we can't do it. I right. Fe- you could just you could do it and then you could be like, sorry guys, I uh couldn't make it in time. <laughs> you know? It happens to the best of us. It does happen to the best of like us. Some of that some of that soul cast grain gave me a little bit of food poisoning. Disagreed with me. Yeah. Yeah. Or here's the other thing. What's the worst that could happen? The parchment find a sphere? And you're like, oh, I don't know how that got in there. Oh, geez. I guess I, I, I didn't, wasn't looking too closely at the breakfast gruel this morning. <laughs> the implication of this. Because they say also in this scene how, how difficult it would be to swallow one of these because they're so big. <laughs> right. Yeah, you could probably get away with it. You could find a way. You could find a way. I still think there's a way. Okay, yeah. Okay, I want to say just a quick thing because we see, we talked about a quick observation last episode that Wit is Hoyt. Mm -hmm. And then we see in this one, Hoyt gets another little storytelling action in. Mm -hmm. And it's very cool, but a different style from what I remember from Warbreaker. Well, so Warbreaker, the story that he told, he accompanied it with pa- various powders. Right, but it was still a fire. Was yes. It, oh, no, no, no. He was just, was he? I think there was a was fire he involved. Powder? He was dropping, I think he was dropping powders in a fire, but there was also another component where there was no fire. Uh-huh. Okay. But he loves a good prop, which we very much appreciate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Props are key. Props are key, but I do, I do wonder, we never saw that flute again, right? Not that I remember, because he, he gave it to Kaladin, He right? gave Kaladin that flute, and he was like, this is really important, and you should learn how to play it, because it'll be super useful, and Kaladin was like, okay, and then Wit left, and we never saw that flute again, so Kaladin definitely just, like, chucked it, right? <laughs> Either that or it's at, like, the bottom of his his wardrobe. Kaladin Which was is like, fair, I'm going to say. You gave Kaladin's someone like, a I job. I don't have time. Yeah, you gave him a job. If he wanted a hobby, he would have sought out a flute. <laughs> Instead, you were like, caretake for my ancient family heirloom. Yeah, I think that's inconsiderate. It's extremely... Or at, the, at the best, it's a bad gift. It's a bad gift, and you also, like, it sounds like it's valuable. Uh, and you don't even know if this guy's going to keep it. Right. He didn't seem to want it. That's like if you give me, like, a large painting that you Mm -hmm. expect me to hang in my one-bedroom apartment. And it's like, I have limited, I have limited wall space, man. I'm not dedicating one wall to, like, what you want me to dedicate it to. No, 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 no. It's even better than that, Luke. It's like if he gave you 
an unfinished painting and a box of paints and was like, here, I'd like you to continue my life's work and then hang it when you're done. Right. To you who has never expressed a desire for painting. Right. And and I'm going to even say this. The painting that he gives you is outstanding. Like there's definitely mm. a part that needs something filled in. But the amount of time and effort you'll have to spend like getting to the level where you could contribute to this thing that he's given you. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. He's given you three quarters of Starry Night and being like, Okay, now just finish it up and put it on your wall. <laughs> It'll be great. I'm over here like, match, I can't. Match my style, please. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's a wild gift for for Hoyd to be passing out to somebody. But it was very cool still. I still think it was very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I'll be honest. Um, I one quick thing about this. Yeah, how long do echoes last, or is it like a part of the instrument? Okay, so re- and this is a, the, this is actually a genuine question for me. I haven't heard an echo in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends, Luke. It depends on like <laughs> the size of the chasm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like. These chasms, I imagine, are very large, so you could probably get a pretty, a pretty delayed echo from this. Okay. All right, I'm gonna take. There, here's two possibilities. One, you could get a pretty delayed echo, and so it, it is a very cool effect that he's got going on. And in fact, I recently saw a video of a guy playing a saxophone into a really long tube. And it had mm. this very cool delay echo effect. So okay. could be this. The okay, alt- so, so this is like, we could see this happening. Could happen, could be very cool. Second option. This guy is just speed reading this story out to Kaladin. <laughs> Hoyt is like, once upon a time there was a man in the woods and he ran really fast. Oh, quick, I got to play again. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why Kaladin gets the flute and is like, what am I supposed to do with this? That was weird. <laughs> that would uh, that would take down some of the effects a little bit, mm-hmm. but I like it. But he's got to match the echo. You know, he can't. You get, It's trade-offs, Luke. It's trade-offs. That's true. That's true. I, I, I will weird. say this, though. Like, if he can make the smoke turn into stuff, he could probably make the echo delay a little bit. <laughs> Sure. Seems like sure. a little bit of magic here. <laughs> a little bit. I, that was that was too small to focus on. I apologize. Something that I want to focus on that is definitely not too small is that glyphs are just emojis, I think. Okay. I think... Because they... Someone says that they're like pictures. Someone says that it doesn't count as reading. It doesn't count as reading because glyphs can be immediately decipherable by what they look like. Right, which is crazy to me. It is wild. To be like, like that's such a loophole that's like, why are you even doing this? Well, I get it for like a castle, right? I get it for like sword, right? There's some, you can make an emoji for that. But I don't buy it 
for justice. I don't buy it. You don't have an emoji that means just. That's a word. You have uh, a it's word. It's a gavel, Dan. Give me a gavel. <laughs> hammer. It means hammer. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with you here. I, I, I don't know if they're like pictures of the what they're describing because that only works with like nouns <laughs> and not all nouns. That only works with like nouns of tangible objects and like some verbs. Yeah, you're right. So it's 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 like, like hot dog. It's reading. <laughs> you're reading. <laughs> They're doing all these technicalities. It's I don't understand it, y'all. And okay, because okay, okay, okay. I mean, Alethi culture has a lot of these technicalities built in, I think we should say. This is not abnormal, right? Like the safe hand thing, apparently a woman can just wear a glove. And it's like, yeah, you're cool. Your safe hand's covered. Mm -hmm. You meet the requirements, whatever. Nice. And so I think this is the same thing with glyphs, where it's like, I mean, technically it's not reading because it's just one symbol. So technically you're good, but... If you put two or three of those together and start trying to say something with it, we're going to have problems. Because, <laughs> like, everyone, everyone's getting in trouble when they see Kaladin's forehead. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now he's not getting invited to parties because you're committing a sin when you see his forehead. And you just read his forehead. Yeah, this is very true. This is very true. Um, I think it does make the passing of love letters between Dalinar and the past queen much more interesting, though, because Dalinar's letters are basically like eggplant, tongue, water emoji, and then the queen is responding back with like, oh, Dalinar, you are the most eloquent of of men who I have yet to have the pleasure of corresponding whence. Right, right. I assume, and then he sends a peach. I assume he sends that a peach Dalinar back. Is not... <laughs> yeah, two equal things. <laughs> Speaking of kind of a raunchy, a raunchy story, one of these stories tried to slide past old Dan and just kind of fade off into the distance and not have you not think about it because it, it didn't seem like it was that important. But I'm not letting it go. This thing tried okay. to slip through my fingers, and I have grabbed hold of this slippery little eel. And that's the story of how there was a big desolation, and this, this wife was very sad because a lot of people died. And so she gathered up a bunch of stones and harvested her husband's seed on his deathbed to create ten children. Let's just pause for a second and think about that scene of the wife and her husband on his deathbed. And she's like, hey, honey, hey, honey, I brought these rocks. And he's like, <coughs> come, come closer. I only have a few moments. And she's like, how about one last crank for the road? How about one more before you go, huh? A little handy and go. Okay. And he's like, okay. oh, what are you? Oh, well, oh, all right. I could go for yeah, I could go for one, sure. Oh boy, okay. Yeah. This is I don't know what to say about it. 
I don't know why no one else says anything about it. They're like, oh, yes, what a story. What an interesting religious story that's been included in our, in our like, religious liturgy about a deathbed hand job. <laughs> you're, you're putting hand, you're, you're describing it. You're assuming some things here, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I'm assuming a little Which bit. Is relative, like a pretty good assumption. I, th- I, I feel like that, that's got to be the safest way if you're trying to harvest some seed. Right. God, don't say that. God, let's cut that out of context, please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said it, not me. Yeah, yeah, we're all glad I said it. No, it's a great, it's a great story, I think. I think it's weird as hell. Uh Uh-huh. And definitely not one. That's all the best stories. It's not one for Sunday school, I'll say that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's after you've been, like, confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've been holding out holding out the raunchy stories for when you say your vows. We've only been giving you 30% requires. of the religion. The other 70% are all <laughs> stuff like this. It's wild. <laughs> it's great. Um, okay. I want to I wanna bring up another thing that I said in a previous episode. I defended the the frilly clothes. Mm-hmm. And I love Adeline here defending the styles. I think he does a great job. Yes. I'm for it. I think I, let them let them express themselves, Dalinar. Let's do it. Well, but in the same scene where he is talking about this, he realizes why Dalinar makes them wear their uniforms right okay he like this is the scene where he's like oh wait we do it because we make everyone else do it (laughs) that's true oh maybe i shouldn't get to wear the new nike airs out to battle fair okay here's my here's here's what i'm amending it to and we don't have to debate this because because we already did yeah i i i think that there's a good reason that that dalinar does this Mm -hmm. and i'm and I'm for that as well. What I'm against is like shaming people. Like I'm against associating the frilly clothes with like the like unserious Weasley guys. Well, okay, but here's the thing, Luke. And this is this is I think what Dalinar's getting at at the end when he just busts into the king's chambers and is like, "We're done. We're done with all this shit. I'm fixing it. I don't care anymore." <laughs> is he's like, "We're at war, guys. We're not back mm-hmm. in the city. We're not going to the theater. We're not going to go see a play. We're at war right now." You can't wear your frillies to war. If you want to wear your frillies, we're leaving war. Okay? Okay. You can wear your frillies, not at war. Okay. Fair and... Okay, yes. I think that that's fair. So... I think that that's fair. Now... I, so so if you're at... If you're in Kolinar, get those frillies out. I want to see... I want to see extravagant whatever you got for me. Bring it out. But on the Shattered Plains, we're at no, war. No, sir. no frillies at war. Meanwhile, 
Back home, Dalinar's got the frilliest closet around. That's oh, why I would love it. That's why he's trying to get back. He's like, guys, I want to wear, I want to do frillies too, but we're <laughs> at war. I can't. Right. He's over here. He's like making making a much bigger sacrifice than I think we're acknowledging. Mm-hmm. This is the hardest part of following the codes for Dalinar. Right. Right. And the codes, and it should be mentioned, the codes are for while you're at war. Like Dalinar's mm-hmm. doing all this stuff because they're at war. But if they're not at war, you can do whatever, man. <laughs> Duel whoever you want. Get super wasted <laughs> that's, every night. That's fair. The tough thing about the codes is that as Kaladin sees, they're like always at war. Mm-hmm. Which is which is which is rough for if you wanna if you wanna stop following the codes. It is I mean, it seems like a good incentive to not be at war though, right? Mm-hmm. If it should like, make the codes worse, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. My point is, you got to make everyone follow the codes, so that way everyone's like, "God, I wish we would stop all these wars, so we could just not do all this stuff anymore." Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, "Wait, hold on, we could just not do war." Perfect, <laughs> wild, <laughs> incredible. So. I think that's the that's the way to go, is you make everyone hate war so much that they just stop it. They just say, eh, maybe not. <laughs> I love how we're like, no, like dying in battle <laughs> is not a bad enough punishment. We also have to take away your frailies. <laughs> that's the key. For the, I mean, for the light eyes, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay, I want to say... I want to I want to bring up some hypocrisy that I'm seeing mm. from Dalinar. Okay, yeah. So Dalinar has these visions and fully believes them as he should. And at the at maybe maybe something at the end kind of goes against this, but early in this section he's talking to the king. Mhm. Who has, who like is super scared and like sees, mentions like seeing and hearing people wanting to kill him. And Dalinar just like dismisses it, thinks he's crazy. Doesn't I think that's the, a little, I think that's a little hypocritical. It's, I agree with you actually, um, to an extent, right? Because, I mean, the king has been crying wolf a lot mm-hmm. and meanwhile Dalinar's like I have yet to see a wolf my guy right but I I feel like my sense of this is that the king is getting there's there's something going on here like he's seeing like things out of the I forget what exactly he says but he, he he's sees like seeing the, the glyph head guys right is that what it is I know I'm, he's seeing something. I'm pretty sure he's seeing the the spren with the glyph heads. Okay. Let's okay. So he is he's seeing something and he thinks that people are gonna killing him and he's like, I don't I don't I don't wanna say crying wolf because like it's he doesn't understand what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So I don't really think it's quite the same thing. This is fair actually. I think this is valid. Dalinar is is willing to accept his own trouble, 
right? His own mental kind of troubles as like real and valid because he's experiencing them. And he's like, no, I'm sure they're right. Meanwhile, the king's over here like, I'm seeing stuff out of the corners of my eyes, guys. Please help me. Right. He's like, I don't know what it is. And that's why I keep freaking out about small things. Right. And Dalinar's over here like, "Ah, this guy's such a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Granted, like, he does acknowledge that it might be real. Like, he does acknowledge that, like, there might be some merit to all this stuff. Yes. But when the king brings up this thing that he's seeing things, Mm -hmm. Dalinar thinks that he's crazy. Yeah, this is so true. Yeah. <laughs> Dalinar, come on. You're seeing things too. Dalinar's like, well, yeah, but my visions are real. <laughs> they just feel so real. My visions are real because I saw them. <laughs> All right, Dalinar. Okay, we have not. We, we got to talk about gotten... the battle. To the battle. We got to talk about the let's, battle now. Let's, let's skip over some things about Kaladin figuring out his little powers. Right. Cool. Good stuff. We loved battle. it. We loved it. Let's get to the battle. And and what comes after the battle. First of all, we hate Sidious. Yeah. Sidious, whatever his name is. We hate that guy. Terrible guy. But, okay, always been terrible, right? Like Dalinar like, didn't in this see book it. or in his life. In this book, Dalinar didn't see it, but in this book, Sidious has just always been kind of terrible, and we see mm-hmm. it from Kaladin's perspective, right? Like Sidious is just sending people off to die, and right. then he's like, like the epitome of what Kaladin views Light Eyes as. Right, right. He is like, like Sidious is like a CEO who just like doesn't care. You know? Sidious <laughs> is like the CEO of like Nestle, who's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm gonna poison the drinking water. I don't care. Right. Meanwhile, uh the like I don't know, uh Shaq in America over here doesn't really know, doesn't really feel the effects of the CEO of Nestle. So he's like, oh maybe he's not so bad a guy. You know what I mean? Is is Shaq Dalinar in this scenario? <laughs> uh, I, I I think so. I guess so. I think, yeah, great comparison. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I I would I would say Sidious has always been bad, at least in this book. But okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of very good moments. So maybe we should do highlights. I think we should do highlights. We haven't done highlights okay. in a while. Let's do highlights because. The last, like, 12 chapters of this book were incredible. Uh, Mm -hmm. First highlight, when the bridgemen turn around, dude, chills. Chills. (laughs) When Kaladin... You mean when when Kaladin says that they should and everyone, like, agrees with him? Yeah. When Kaladin is like, uh, well, because, you know, first he's like, actually, no, we should leave. We, We can't do anything about that. Come on. And then he's like, actually, yeah, let's go get him. And all the bridgemen are like, yeah. Right, right. Just a, just, just a great group of guys. Incredible. <laughs> uh, my, my first highlight that I have is 
Adeline and Dalinar's little conversation when they're like think that they're about to die. Lovely. And so then good. and then Dalinar's speech immediately after. Very good. Yes. And how like oh, just how that whole scene is described. How his men don't like cheer, but they're just like firm in their resolve. They're like, you know what? Yeah, we are doing good. This is gonna mm-hmm. be cool. Very good, guys. Okay. Dalinar's fighting the other the other shard bear comes up and it's like, okay, dude, you couldn't have come on. You couldn't have attacked earlier. Right. And then and then he still like almost destroys him with the rock thing, how he cuts the rock. Yeah, great move. Incredible move, Dalinar. <laughs> Very cool. Very good. Very good. I well, I actually have I'm kind of annoyed by this fight, actually. Ooh, okay. This might be a hot take. Yeah. It, I don't really like that we're saying that, like, all the Parshendi are super honorable, and that's how they escaped. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like Kaladin breaks in to save Dalinar. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he's able to do that is because all the Parshendi are, like, honorable? Do you know what I mean? Well... No, I think they were, like, stunned. So, specifically, when Kaladin jumps in to save Dalinar, Kaladin is, like, streaming light. He is, like, there is, like, light pouring off of him. And I think all the Parshendi are, like, oh, shit. Oh, no, not this guy. Okay, that's fair. It seems like there was, like, a reverence to it. They were, like, terrified of him. Uh, Maybe not terrified. Mm -hmm. There was just, like, a weird reverence to it that we didn't really understand. They say some some phrase yes. that I'm assuming is describing what they're like what they see Kaladin as. Okay, that's fair. I I, I rescind that. Okay. Then. Okay. Um, let's see. Kind of I. So I didn't prepare highlights, but I'm I'm gonna just go through yeah, yeah, the go things that we loved here. Like just just Kaladin fighting here is great. Yes. And how the bridgemen are like Be- just keep getting him spears. <laughs> <laughs> just just keep tossing spears we love it uh because the honestly other than like seth's scenes mm-hmm. the fighting i haven't been super into because it's been like the thing we talked about previously <laughs> where you just like spin in circles with a shard blade right, right. but adeline's like i don't know spear fighting is great to read kaladin spear fighting sorry Kaladin's spear fighting is great to read. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's very cool. The scenes where Kaladin like powered up, very mm-hmm. intense. We love that. We love that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I want to say those are all my highlights for the battle. Should we move on to like kind of the ending? Yeah, I want to say one quick one is that is Kaladin like bossing everyone around. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. So there's there's another quick one. Yes. Yes. Just such a good scene. I also was convinced somebody was going to die. I was so sure one mm. of them was going to die, and nobody did. Right. So. It's not one of those books. Not one of those. Not one of those. Not yet, at least. Mm-hmm. This is a, kind of a small thing, so we don't need to spend that much time on it, but the bridgemen are all gathered around in the barracks and they want to see Kaladin show off his cool powers, but it's a little too bright 
in the barracks. So Rock takes a blanket and throws it on the fire and is like, all right, Kaladin, go for it. Now that it's dark. My guy, I know you guys have money now, but you can't just do that. Right. Huge waste of a blanket. Yeah, like a blanket. You couldn't just like walk 30 feet that way into the darkness and like, okay, everybody gather around. I'm going to do it. Right. I I hope that it was like someone's least favorite blanket. Mm. But they were like, this one's scratchy. I hate it. But I'm not going to just like, like I already have a blanket. I'm not just going to go buy another one. Right. Like it would be so wasteful. It's like an excuse to get rid of a blanket. Yeah. Okay. That's true. There's no, well, well there probably should be a version of, of the goodwill in this world where they could just mm-hmm. give it to someone maybe. But instead, Rock was like, yeah, I'm going to throw it on the fire. Yeah, rough uh, rough day for that blanket. <laughs> Unnecessary. Um, but I great a lot of great moments here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to keep going with the highlights? I So I think that this whole thing is kind of a theme. Like... We can go through individual highlights, and I'm very on board with that. Yeah, what's but the I th- theme? But I think that all of them can be encompassed by a general feeling of, like, just doing things. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, saying you're going to do something and, like, doing the right thing and, like, making it work. Like, just, like, figuring right. out the way to make it work. Yeah, because this this encompasses, like, the sword, the shard blade... This encompasses him giving up, Dalinar giving up his shard plate to his younger son, and the scene right. with it the even king. encompasses. It even encompasses Shalon, I would say. Ooh, because because sh- like Shalon is like, you know what? I'm just gonna go, go for it, and like let's talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But it's just everyone. Or I guess Dalinar essentially, essentially is just like fuck it, we're doing it. Yeah, this is. <laughs> he realizes. Like all in. He realizes that the Almighty has been leaving him the equivalent of like a trick voicemail message, where it's like, "Hello, hello." Ah, just kidding. This is my voicemail. <laughs> right, it's wild to me that. These this series of visions, the Almighty doesn't the doesn't start with an explanation. He ends with one. Because <laughs> you got to stick around to the end if you're a true believer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't the, hit you. It doesn't hit you until the end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think I think it's a mistake for effective communication, but for drama, very good. High drama here. High drama from the Almighty. But yeah, Dalinar gets all these, like... Uh, I think that revelation actually comes after he does all the cool shit. Um, mm-hmm. But still, yeah, he just decides, like, it's time to get shit done. And he does right. it. Very good. And let, so let's go ahead and talk about the Shalon scenes. Though. Okay. So just basically what happens, I guess, is mm-hmm. that Shalon realizes that Yasna can soul cast on her own. Right. Right. And confronts her about it. And 
You actually said something, I guess, last episode where you felt like Yasna would be the kind of person that would like know all of these things and or like pretend to not know them, but actually does. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that was correct. Well, okay, I think it was it was maybe partially correct. What what I specifically thought in relation to this was that Yasna would know that the Soulcaster was stolen. Oh, okay. And that Shallan was the one who stole it, and like she would already have everything worked out. That was the specifics. Um, but my alternative theory that I didn't mention last episode for like why Yasna hadn't said anything was yeah that she didn't need it that this was like kind of a a trick that she was pulling. Um, so that was very cool. That was very cool <laughs> to see. And it's super exciting to see that this is like like a resurgence of the radiance is what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Because here we've got Shalon and Yasna as like one like sect of the radiance. And Kaladin seems like he's part of another and, and like Seth as well or like another right. sect of radiance. And there's like this like radiance seem to be kind of coming back into the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, very exciting. Uh, we we get a lot of cool reveals in these Shalon mm-hmm. chapters near the end with like the Voidbringers and the Radiance and, and all that stuff. Yes, and I, I don't think that this is really a reveal because I think it was heavily implied that Shalon killed her father. Yes, yeah. I think the smart money was on that guess, but... <laughs> Uh, pretty cool scene with the revelation. Yeah. 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 This was just I, a big ending. <laughs> yeah. This ending was incredibly satisfying to me. Um, yeah. This ending. Yeah. This is one of my, this, I mean, this is one of my favorite endings that I think we've read. Right. Cause the, the, the wild thing is that obviously it's part of a series. And so like it's setting up the next book Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of satisfying on its own oh oh i can't even oh i'm so glad we didn't we didn't talk or we didn't miss this one too the the king of the city of the bells what's that city again like jaw oh the king carbrand car yes the king is killing people (laughs) to get those messages and those are the messages that we have been reading for the whole book at the start of the chapters. Incredible! <laughs> what a crazy thing! And it, like, explains why he has so many hospitals. He's, like, mm-hmm. it like so many pieces click into place with this. And it just, like, was so satisfying. Like, sure, this guy's terrible. But, like, the satisfaction of that, like, little mystery being resolved, that, that <laughs> honestly, I didn't even think was a mystery. Like, I was just assuming that these little passages were things that, like, Yasna was reading in the archives that were, like, mm-hmm. somebody a long time ago had written them down. But the fact that they were, like, actively being recorded, like, at the same time... Right, they- they only started like six years ago or something. Yeah. Crazy. 
And it's a huge twist, right? The other things that we've talked about are not really twists. They're just like satisfying moments mm-hmm. that, that change the, the course of what we're reading, but they're not super surprising. Mm-hmm. But this, and, and also we learned, you mentioned that the king was kind of dumb, which is everyone else has mentioned in this book. And he's not. Right? He's, he's, he's the like kind a, of smart that looks really dumb. Right. He's like a mastermind. I don't want to say criminal mastermind. Why, I mean, why not? Obviously, the things that he's doing are against the law, but it's not like, that's not his, I feel like his motivation is not inherently just like criminal. Luke, this is what, no, this guy's terrible. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying, I'm saying that like, I feel like the word criminal implies something that's not, like, I feel like criminal is like, Bank robbing. Okay. He's not planning a heist is what you're saying. Right. He's not like masterminding something that like his goal is criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's just like an evil genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge twist that we were so excited for. So good. Um... Is it time for reviews? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Uh, yeah, I think we give reviews here because we're not going to jump into the next book right away. I'm sure we'll come back to this series, uh, but I think we should give brief reviews on this book. Uh, I'll start. I, I think it's pretty obvious from how hype we've been this episode. Great book. Brandon mm-hmm. did a great job with this ending was incredibly satisfying the twists were super cool and i appreciated i appreciated how like brandon didn't have any of our main characters die at the end i appreciated Mm -hmm. how it still felt very tense and it still felt like they could die at any moment but they didn't and i thought that that was well like done in such a way that i was still worried about one of them dying like even though none of our main characters have died yet, um, mm-hmm. I just right like you you didn't you didn't get the sense that there is going to be some ridiculous like savior moment. Yeah, it happened, but you didn't like it wasn't obvious. Exactly, exactly. And so I just I think this is very this is a great book. I love this book. <laughs> yeah, I honestly my review is not going to be long. <laughs> I love this book as well. Uh, I've read it before, as as you guys already know, and suggested it, <laughs> so it's not a surprise. But uh, this was one of my favorite fantasy series of Any, all time. Anything new on the second read through, Luke? Anything? Anything you new? appreciated on your second read? I honestly can't remember because I read this before. We just started the podcast. Oh, and sure. I have become much more like, <laughs> much more like focusing on details and stuff since we started the podcast. Like, I used to just like read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. So I don't know if I've gotten new things. All right. Fair Probably. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, listeners, we hope you've gotten some some new things out of this book from from luke and i if you're if you're new to the show maybe you're coming from 
the Brandon Sanderson subreddit. We made a post there a couple days ago. Check out our subreddit, our Don't Call It a Book Club. If you want to stay in touch, if you want to follow along with one of the books mm-hmm. that we read down the line, uh, if you want to make a comment, you know, we we're gonna po- we make a post every time we post an episode. And as we did at the beginning of this episode, sometimes we'll talk about the, the comments there. So, so mm-hmm. stick with us. Um, right. So like, like we said, we're, we're hopefully at some point in the future going to, going to stick with this series. We're going to stick with this series, but our next book that we're going to be reading is we are returning to Jonathan French's series. We're going to read the second book of his series, which is called The True Bastards. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. If you haven't read the first one, go back, check it out. We have done episodes on that. We have even interviewed Jonathan French. Mm-hmm. Had a great interview. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going, to read the, we're going to read the second one in that series. I guess we're, we'll split it up into three, three episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than the four that we did this time. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Get started on True Bastards for next week because, you know, Luke and I are, are out here serving up hot takes. And acting like dumb nerds. Yeah.